0: Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 961, and we're looking at Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 33. Let's read our passage. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he strictly warned him to tell no one about him. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and rise after three days. He spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But he turned around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark began with the Galilean ministry. Jesus traveling throughout Galilee, teaching, healing, casting out demons, encountering religious leaders who were very critical of him. Then he went north to Tyre and Ministered to the Gentile woman, casting the demon out of her daughter, then south to the Decapolis, or Gentile area. We saw the feeding of the 4,000, and back to Galilee, and had this final encounter with the Pharisees where they demanded a sign. Then they went across the lake to Bethsaida on the north side of the lake. They he healed the blind man, and now we pick it up in Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. So we had the healing of the blind man, the restoring his sight, which was a big deal. As far as miracles go, that's about as big as it gets. But Jesus wanted to keep it quiet. How can you keep something like that quiet? And I suppose maybe the idea was keep it quiet long enough for them to get out of town. So they've left Bethsaida and gone north to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is maybe 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, so it's a a fair trek on foot. It's the ancient city of Panaeus. Herod the Great, he was the king when Jesus was born. He had built a temple there in Panaeus and dedicated it to the emperor Augustus, who was Caesar at the time. When Herod the Great died, his son Philip became Tetrarch, ruler of a fourth, And he ruled that area, and he renamed that town Caesarea in honor of Caesar. But to differentiate it from the Caesarea that his father, Herod the Great, had built on the Mediterranean coast west of Jerusalem, there was already a city named Caesarea. He called this city north Caesarea Philippi in honor of Caesar Augustus, but also his own name, Philip. That's where Jesus and his disciples are, in that area of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? Now you wonder, why is he asking this? Is he clueless about what's going on? Jesus is pretty well informed. He knows what's going on. This is all setting up his disciples for the next question, because the disciples are providing answers. Verse 28, they answered him, John the Baptist. Others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. We saw that was Herod Antipas' ideas that Jesus was John the Baptist to come back to life. Now the prophecies are that Elijah would come and be the forerunner of the coming Messiah. But Jesus had taught that to his disciples that was John the Baptist who fulfilled that role. So some are thinking he's John the Baptist come back. Some are thinking he's this Elijah figure. Others say he's one of the prophets, verse 29. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And so that's the bottom line. That's the reason for the first question. Okay, so what are the people saying? And they say what the people are saying. They said, but what do you think? Where are you in all this? And we've seen this tension for some time here that the disciples don't get it. That was part of Jesus' criticizing them, is you don't fully get it yet. You've been with me this long. You've seen the things I do. You've experienced the teaching I teach, but you still don't get who I am. So let's boil it down to the bottom line here. Who do you think I am? Peter answered him, you're the Messiah. Pretty straightforward answer. Now, many English translations say you are the Messiah. Many say, you are the Christ. So, what's the, the proper way to do this? Well, bottom line is, there's not a proper way to do it. Jesus was probably speaking Aramaic when he was having this conversation with the disciples, in which case he would have said something like Messiah. Now, Messiah is the English version of that, so something like Mashiach would be the Aramaic and Hebrew word. But the Gospels were written in Greek, and the word written there is Christos. Now, the words mean the same thing. Christos is Greek for Mashiach, which is Hebrew. They both mean the Anointed One. So, to perfectly translate it into English, you should say the Anointed One, or the One anointed by God. So, it's correct to translate it into English. Well, you see... A bunch of smart people who do Bible translations have gone both directions on this. And they have their reasons for choosing which way to go. But it really gets down to some opinion there. Now, the words originally are transliterations. Christ is a transliteration of the Greek Christos. Messiah is a transliteration of the Hebrew Aramaic Mashiach. But they have both have been in the English language now for over a thousand years. So, Christ, Messiah are both English words by this point. So, what's the right one to use? I don't think you can make a rule on it. It comes down to the opinion of what fits best in the minds of the Bible translators. So, which is right? They're both right. It's both okay. They both mean the same thing. As both have become English words by this point in time. So you can say, Peter answered him, you are the Christ. Or Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And it's like the word baptism. Baptism is an English word that has meaning. But it began as a transliteration of the Greek word baptismo. But it's been used for long enough with its own meaning that it is now an English word. So Peter answers correctly. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the one anointed by God, God's anointed one. However, does Peter really fully understand? We'll see in a minute. No, he doesn't fully understand. He partially understands, but not completely. Verse 30, and he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. So he's still keeping things somewhat under wraps here. Okay, Peter, you recognize I am the Messiah let's keep this between us right now. Verse 31. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and rise after three days. So This is the first of three predictions of his death. Now since he began to teach them, Does that mean he began this teaching moment to teach them? Or this is now a new teaching. He has not blatantly taught them about his impending death. Hard to say. Some commentators go either way on this. But he's being much more clear now about what's going on. It says, rise after three days. Some places the prediction says, rise on the third day. It's really, it's a matter of the, phraseology. It really means the same thing. If you want to get technical in English, yes, on the third day, after the third day are actually different things, but used as a phrase like that, it really means the same thing. On the third day, after the third day, he's going to die on Friday, and then Friday being the first day, Saturday the second day, Sunday the third day, he's going to rise on Sunday morning. Verse 32, he spoke openly about this. So this is new, him now speaking openly about his impending death. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, what do we make of this? Well, Peter's saying, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Yes, I recognize you are the Messiah. But the Messiah is supposed to come as a political leader, a military leader, a great religious leader, all rolled into one and come and take charge and basically assume kingship of Israel and lead Israel to this new greatness to kick the Romans out of town and restore Israel to its glory. That's what the Messiah is supposed to do. So this idea, of we're going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill you? No, it can't be that way. Verse 33, But turning around, looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. It's strong language. But what does Satan try to do? He tries to tempt us. And in the Gospels, he tries to tempt Jesus from following God's plan. What's Satan's goal? Not to make us unhappy. Satan's goal is to cause us to disobey God, to cause us to not believe God, to call us to not be part of God's plan. That's Satan's goal. And so Peter here was often called the prince of disciples, the prince of the apostles. He will become the chief apostle. Here he is trying to tempt Jesus to not follow God's plan. So we have here looking ahead toward Jerusalem. Still got a little bit to do before they actually start moving toward Jerusalem, but we see the intention now, looking ahead to Jerusalem. And what happens in Jerusalem? The cross, crucifixion, and resurrection. Now we talked about this parallelism that's going on here between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. It begins with the feeding of the multitudes, crossing the lake, dispute with the Pharisees, discussion about bread, then healing. And the first one ended in the Decapolis with the proclamation of faith, the confession. He does everything well. Here we have the actual confession of Peter. You are the Messiah. And that closes out these parallel tracks and sets the stage now to actually looking ahead, not just traveling around teaching, healing, and casting out demons, but going to Jerusalem to die and be raised again. Third day. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time. So continue working through the Gospel of Mark.